I know you're the Academy. You let me down so many times. The nominations kind of let me down, but please don't let me down and not award Parasite because I think they deserve it. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal connection to a current or classic release. This episode, I am honored to welcome back to the show, Shade Glover. Welcome to the show. Hi. So tell people uh, that didn't hear our conversation on The Farewell, and shame on them if they haven't seen that movie, because... uh, Seems like the Academy didn't really see that movie I'm at all. I'm really upset about that. <laughs> I, I'm still shocked that it had zero nominations. I know. Like, and and I yeah. feel like that was a major point of our conversation was the Academy better pay attention to Aquafina and Lulu Wong and she was Absolutely. in Zhao. And yeah. they're like, nah, no, we're good. We'll just yeah, I'm TV still scene. shocked. It's like unbelievable. It's like upsetting, you know. Yeah, the the academy is just like yeah, yeah, yeah. The Aquafina, Lupita Nyong'o, Taron Egerton. Did you see this Ugh. Joker movie though? <laughs> We're like yes, yeah, yes, that's, we did. We did. Yeah, we got when it. I saw Lupita was nominated as well. <sighs> I, I don't want to, this podcast, I'm assuming, shouldn't be three hours long, so I won't <laughs> go on a whole rant about that, but <sighs> yeah, uh, it, it was really upsetting. <laughs> so tell people uh, a little bit about your show, Offscreen Babble. Oh yeah, our show is a TV and movie podcast. I host it with my husband, Kyle, and we just talk about what we've been watching recently, which we tend to try to do new releases with movies and uh, new TV shows or new seasons. Uh, right now in January, it's kind of that kind of not many things are coming out. So I don't know mm-hmm. if we've done as many movie reviews. But um, if you're looking for something, we we also go into spoilers. Sometimes we'll just do like quick reviews and recommendations. But yeah, if you like uh, quick reviews on TV shows and movies... And then listening to me and my husband sometimes argue about what the movie meant, <laughs> then yeah, please listen to our show. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. So I have to ask you, because I was on your show to talk about Happy Death Day. So yes. have uh, per my recommendation, did you and Kyle actually go and watch Happy Death Day to you? We have not watched okay. it yet. However, it is on our list and it is something we want to watch. I wanted to so, make sure to follow up because I was wondering that. I was like, oh, did they ever get around to that? Because No, know, not yet. It, yeah, especially if we do, we would probably talk about it on the show. Too. Great. You know awesome. what I mean? Like it's something that we would want to mention. But yeah, no, that is on our list to watch because we really enjoyed Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was, so, yeah. It's a really fun movie and people should definitely check out that episode and subscribe to Offscreen Babble. Um, yeah, thank you. Of course. Hey, that's what we do. We support each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this conversation, we actually, I, I don't even remember when we talked on The Farewell, if you had seen Parasite yet. I don't no, think so. I think I, we were both like hearing a lot about it. I think we mentioned yes. Waves, which is, which is an A24 movie on that episode. We both wanted to see that. And I still have actually haven't caught up with that one. I did see Waves and Waves, I did not realize was going to be like, I feel like it's kind of like a controversial movie either there. I am maybe the most like mild, like in between, like I liked the movie, but I definitely think it had flaws, Mm -hmm. but I think waves I've seen a lot of people who like really loved it and people who really hate it. So like, um, I think it's, it's a very like 
either or type of movie, I think, for some people. I liked it, though. But I, like, I could definitely understand the criticism. I feel like that's the nature of the world that we live in. I feel like everything is you either are so sure. extreme. <laughs> and it's it, yeah. it, honestly on film Twitter, you know, especially like you, we, you know, we see a whole like much sharper image of how people are reacting to things and people mm-hmm. who are praising, let's pick on it again, Joker and people that are shitting on Joker. And I feel like it's, it's exhausting sometimes to like, everybody is like dialed up to 11 or, you know, all the way down. And it's like, can we get, let's get some more nuance in these conversations. And it's, yeah, I, I feel the same way. And it is overwhelming. Cause a lot of times I'm like, you know, something like the farewell, I was like, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. It was my favorite movie up until another film that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, like it was like, I was just like, it is perfect. Loved it. But if someone had said, oh, actually, I didn't like X, Y, Z, I would have been like, oh, okay, that's interesting perspective, whatever. It is hard online when I think a lot of people are like, oh, you like the movie? Well, that must mean I didn't like the movie. Therefore, we're enemies now. Right, exactly. Or you're this. And I'm like, huh. And even like with the Joker, or I'm sorry, Joker, um, I am... Uh, I, I think when I initially reviewed it, I was kind of like, meh, like, yeah, I, I thought the acting was good, but I don't think the movie, I thought the story wasn't really there. I kind of felt like it was more of a vehicle for Joaquin Phoenix to just act. And I like, you know, I've been doing this podcast for over a year now. I've been posting on Instagram and Twitter about what we reviewed. We get like very little engagement on social media. Mm mm-hmm. The, I posted a just very mild, like, you know, yeah, Walking Phoenix, I think his acting is really good. And, you know, unfortunately, the plot wasn't really there. And I got like a few nasty comments, which I never get. Mm-hmm. Like, I never get comments, but to get nasty ones, it's like, oh, what happened? And it is, it does seem like a really like tense moment right now with media and what you like. And I think people really identify their personalities with what they like. So they think if you don't like it, therefore you're saying you don't like them. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there's like some like a uh, professor who has analyzed all this, who can like really go into depth on it. But it is really weird when you are trying to express your opinion on something. And I'm definitely open to someone not liking it. I just want to hear specifics. I just want to know like, Oh, what didn't you like about it? Not, Oh, if you didn't like it, you suck. And, you know, like. or, or I'm, I'm, I'm lumping you into this, you know, political faction or whatever. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's the big thing. Well. I mean, yeah. And I feel like certain movies over the last few years have become huge litmus tests where like, well, if you don't like the last Jedi, you must be, you know, whatever, or say sure. thing Joker or whatever, things like that. And it's just, you know, I when you were talking about Joker, you won't be able to know this because this is an audio medium, but I was nodding heavily with everything you were saying because I was actually on uh, this a podcast called Screen Fix and we talked about Joker and I was the coolest of the, the group and the premise of that show is that you know, you, you go around naming something you would fix in the movie, like to, to you know, to improve it, to make it better or whatever. Okay. And so my <laughs> came to me, one of mine was the, the script, I guess, basically, because I, mean- <laughs> I, I agreed with everything you were saying. Like, it'd be like this is as I was watching it and this, you know, I didn't mean I don't mean for us to talk about Joker so much, but it relates directly thematically into what we're going to the movie we're going to talk about. Yeah, so, that's actually true. So um 
watching Joker, I'm like, okay, so he's going to go on the show. Spoilers for Joker. If you're one of the 10 people that hasn't seen this billion dollar <laughs> I know, movie it by so now. so much money. I'm sure people <sighs> saw exhausting. that. Yeah. And then movies like Farewell or Booksmart or actually, you know, good movies. Nobody goes yeah. to see them. Um, so he's going to go on the show and he's going to shoot Robert De Niro. And then it happened. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's what I thought was going to happen. Why is that a big shocking mo- moment for anyone? You know, like I you yeah. can kind of see where it's going to go from about midway through the movie. And mm-hmm. I, the movie plays up all of it. Like, it's like, guess what? I just blew your mind. It's like Todd Phillips is going to pop in the middle of the screen and be like, you didn't see that coming. She, she wasn't there the whole time. And we're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I, I think, yeah, sometimes I, I always describe it as sometimes I think not just with Joker, but other forms of media when they're really proud of themselves mm-hmm. and they're like, see what we did there. And it's like, yeah, that's not impressive. Like, I don't know why you're like, the movie seems like it's bragging that it maybe right. uh, did something rather than something like Parasite that I think is very clever and maybe a little bit more subtle. Mm-hmm. There, there are some things that are very obvious, but it doesn't seem smug about it versus right. other movies um, that uh, I don't know. It, it is really difficult. Like I, I started my podcast because I wanted to start talking to people about TV shows and movies. I liked, you know, like I, I wanted to approach this like more on a positive side. Obviously I know there will be things I watch that I don't like, right. but I'm not like trying one. I don't really want to like dunk on anything like, Oh, this is a piece of garbage. Let's all laugh. At, you know, I don't want to do that. But I also um, don't want I, I realize that people might like the things I don't like. So I kind of want to, like, express my opinion while also understanding that maybe it's something someone enjoyed. Like, there are obviously people who really like Joker and mm-hmm. that's fine. You know, like, cool. I, if you want me to like it, that might be a problem. <laughs> but, you know, like, otherwise, I, I think if you like it, cool. Like, it, it's just so weird online how tense everything can be i i definitely was not expecting that when i started mm-hmm. and luckily i have found people who are way more like you and i who are like willing to at least hear people out and like have a conversation right. but it is a little scary when you see people like well if you like joker i guess you're dead to me and it's like what <laughs> like, you know, like okay like this is crazy you know yeah, and there's there is that there really is that dark side to film criticism where where people are i mean you know even if a movie doesn't work, like like for me personally, Joker, or I was on a, another podcast uh, talking about Cats recently, oh, and that's a movie yeah. that does not work, <laughs> but it, it it fails like spectacularly. And I think yes. you, yeah. there's a way to talk about even bad films and focus, like as you said, focus on the positive, focus on what works, or at least focus on the effort or critique the film without being like, this person sucks. Todd, Todd Phillips is a, is a monster or whatever. I'm like, yeah, he's a man who made a movie. Say, he didn't like it. It's like, whatever. It's, you yeah, know. I will say Todd Phillips didn't help himself when he started no, doing like weird no, interviews. Not. Like he, yeah, <laughs> when he started talking, he was like, oh man, dude, I'm trying to help you out. But right, right. <laughs> you, you screwed it for yourself. I don't know. You know, but like, um, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just hope, going forward everyone kind of just like calms down but who knows i love watching the oscars so and i will be honest if joker wins versus parasite uh, yeah i might i might be upset if joker wins versus anything i mean it's it's not (laughs) 
I don't think it's a garbage movie. I think there are elements of it that work. I think I think yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is is great in it. I mean, he's a very committed actor, so you know that's to be expected. I really like yeah. the score. Certain way, things about the way it's shot are fine and, and are really well done. Uh, mm-hmm. Best picture though, like come on. I mean, yeah, of the nominees, me, it's no. the bottom for me of the nominees, Absolutely. and that's just you know the personal preference. So yeah. it's yeah. So I I mean I you know we didn't. We went on a little mini Joker tangent, but I think I, it, I think it, it it bears. I think it's it's relevant because as Parasite was ending, I was sitting there and I I you know I think I even messages to you after I saw it because we had mentioned about uh, possibly you know I, I I mentioned to you I just saw Parasite we need to talk about this and you were like yes we need to do that so I was like all right January February let's whatever let's get that in the books because I, yeah. as Parasite was ending. With the commentary, the way that it, it talks about uh, the class system and, and that dynamic between the have-nots and the haves, uh, I was thinking to myself, like, this is what Joker thought that it was saying, but failed Absolutely. miserably. Like, this yeah, is what that looks like when you have a filmmaker that knows what they're doing, that understands the nuances in that conversation, that communicates it in a way that isn't self-serious, that actually has shades of dark humor to it that it's that's like satirical at times and makes its point without you know yes obviously there's certain elements in this movie that are so metaphorical <laughs> as the movie says a couple times um yeah but um has levels to it and ha- has a a rich story that you can dig into as opposed to you know having a guy on a talk show set be like, what do you get when you take a misunderstood loner and all this? Like, <laughs> you get what you fucking deserve. Like, I get it. You're, it's hard out there for people sometimes. I understand your point. Anything else that you want to say? Yeah. No, bam. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, so yeah, so obviously we're going to be talking about uh, Parasite from director Bong Joon-ho. Uh, and I should preface that we're going to listen to a little bit of the trailer. And then after that, we're just going to go hog wild with spoilers. I mean, maybe before we queue up, queue that up, general thoughts just on Parasite before we transition into the, 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 the you know, the, the meat of the conversation. Okay, sure. Yeah. So my thoughts with the movie, I mean, this was my, like, I've never done a list like, oh, my top 10 movies mm-hmm. of whatever year, uh, 2019 was the first time I ever did that. This was my number one and um, which last time I came here, I was like the farewell can't see it not being my number one, but uh, it moved to my number two slot. I think for this movie, I would, I went into it very, um, I guess blind. I I just didn't know what the movie was. If Mm -hmm. anybody who has seen the trailer, I think the trailer is also very uh, vague that you don't know what tone the movie is going to be. So, Overall, like I'm trying to make my thoughts as vague as possible because I don't want if you haven't seen the movie, I highly suggest watching it before listening to the spoilers, even if you love listening to spoilers, because I think part of the movie is going into it not knowing like you need to like just let the movie kind of wash over you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, I I was just like so shocked by how it really hit me. Um, I couldn't stop talking about the movie once I saw it. Uh, I think the acting performances were really, really good, which is also disappointing that I feel like the acting isn't being highlighted enough. Um, I, you know, I'm not familiar with like Korean films as well. So a lot of these actors to me are new, but I'm assuming they're famous in Korea. But, um, I think, oh gosh, the actor, uh, Song Kang Ho, I believe is the mm-hmm. main like yeah, Mr. main Kim. dad in this. 
He's so free. Like, I, honestly, everyone is good, but he is so good. And you really connect with his character for a series of reasons that happened in the movie that I, it, it kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't expecting that. There's stuff that happens with his character that really shocked and surprised me um, that I am very excited to go into detail later. But I would say just I, I just thought it was great. I apologize that this is such like a vague, like <laughs> me just saying, good, great, awesome. But like, I think the movie is talking about our, it's talking about class, but it's talking about a lot of different things that I think when you start thinking about it can be frustrating because what's the, I don't know if the movie is actually providing like a solution. It's more just telling you, this is the reality of the world we live in. Right. And this is how things can be unfair. And why, why is it like that? Because of X, Y, Z, these are the reasons. Right. So I would, I, for me, I loved it. I thought it was really speaking on class. I think last year, a lot of people have made this point already mm -hmm. that a lot of the movies that were coming out oh, last yeah. year <laughs> were dealing with class. We, we talked about Joker, a movie like us, even something like, uh, I really liked ready or not so as well. I. Uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. Um, that, you know, it's talking about like kind of like the 1%, the wealthy. And it, I think this movie is also kind of showing, multiple layers so i think you would expect like well the wealthy people are the villains and blah 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 but it's actually showing a more complex side to that as well that it's just a great film it's just a great story that they're telling and i just can't believe that he managed to put in so many different tones in one movie and for me it felt very fluid it all worked together yeah, I, when I went to see this, I also knew nothing about it except that it was a, amazing, apparently. And I had seen on, mm -hmm. on Twitter, you know, the 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 um, the gif of Jessica with the quote hands, Jessica, yeah, child, yeah, Illinois, Chicago, that whole thing. Um, so I had no clue what I was in for, and like friends of mine were like commenting on my post when saying that I was watching, but like, oh, strap in, this is gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. And that's why I I. I am very also at a kind of a loss for words as far as explaining what the movie is about. Cause I don't, I don't even, wouldn't even know how to describe it without giving things away. It's, exactly. um, it, it's, the, you know, I think the best way is to talk about the themes what the movie is trying to say, and then good luck, figure it out for yourself. Once you enter a theater or, you know, pop it on uh, your streaming device or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it is telling that the movie has, uh, Song Kang Ho in sp particular, I think has been getting like recognized and like some critics awards, things like that, like the smaller things. But this mm -hmm. movie had just got the SAG award for best ensemble cast, which was impressed yeah. over, I think the Irishman and once upon a time in Hollywood and like these other more Hollywood established uh, productions and everyone there, all the big Hollywood stars were loving it. Like they were like cheering them on. And it was a real, like, yeah. it was, it was really kind of powerful to see a, foreign movie make that kind of impact over here. Um, I, I don't mm. think it's been, I mean, Roma, we saw that last year, but for the most part, I think there's Roma, there's Amor, there's Crouching Tiger. There's very few that have actually made it into the best picture uh, race in the last couple decades. And I feel like Parasite is kind of inching its way up. Like, I feel like right now it's between Parasite and 1917. And Me too. And I love both those movies. So yeah, fine I, I did enjoy 1917, but it has to be Parasite for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think people definitely need to check this out. I I, ha I wanted to ask you, because I was curious, have you ever seen any Bong Joon-ho movies prior to this? 
No, I never did. And I really want to watch his full filmography. Like this is something that I, after watching Paris, I'm like, okay, he's a filmmaker I need to see. I'm giving myself so many things that are probably physically impossible to do in one year. But like, you know, my husband gave me this gift that's like 100 movies you must see. And I'm like, doing that this year, that's going to be impossible <laughs> to do, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, I should watch all of Bong Joon-ho's filmography. Right. I'm like, that that is possible. It just might be difficult. But I do want to watch all his movies now after this. This movie was so strong. Am I expecting all his movies to be the same as this? No, but I I'm even OK if it's like a fraction of this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as far yeah. as the quality goes. Yeah. I think, uh, so I, I'm looking forward to watching his filmography. I think general consensus is that this is kind of his masterpiece, at least to date. Uh, I had only sure. seen Snowpiercer previously uh, prior to seeing this. So I kind of had an idea of the, his kind of um, offbeat, for lack of a better term, sensibility, the blending of genres, because Snowpiercer is kind of a thriller, kind of sci-fi, kind of weird comedy moments kind of scattered throughout, too. And both of mm. those films are being developed into television series, which is another interesting thing. The, that is uh, true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> like, Bong Joon-ho is blowing up right now. And, and yeah, I think it's very, very exciting to see. Uh, to see a filmmaker like this so distinctive kind of making his way into the Hollywood system with a movie this strong uh, with, you know, this ensemble cast and and saying what it does in, in the way that it does. So I, um, so yeah, that's Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Let's listen to a little bit of the trailer right now. That was a little bit of the trailer for Parasite from director Bong Joon-ho. So I don't even know where to start with <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, okay. So you have a, good, I, go okay. for it. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. But no, please. I, I kind of want to start with the ending only because I want to address something that I've heard people criticize about okay. the film. Um, so I think the ending, I was actually surprised to hear that some people interpret the ending differently. So obviously, if you've watched the movie, and again, do not listen to this if you yeah, haven't. Yeah, please go see it. It's the best picture, yeah. hopeful winner. Yeah, point, like, so. absolutely. So do not have this spoiled for you. But if if you've seen the ending, at the end of the film, there's obviously the communication between the son and father uh, through Morse code. And then the son is writing a letter and basically saying, you know, I'm going to become wealthy. I'm going to buy that house. You're going to come out and greet me and mom in the sun and we're going to embrace and be together again. Like that's, that's him saying he's like, but until then, and that's how the movie ends. Right. Mm -hmm. And my interpretation is him writing the letter, but he has no way of sending it. He's, he's writing this letter kind of wanting, but the things he's saying one day, this will happen. That's a, that's a dream. Mm -hmm. It's not an actual reality. I've heard people actually interpret it as, Oh, that's what happens. And they and they like the film less because they're like, oh, that's too neat. And I'm like, yeah, I that would be too neat. But I don't think that's what (laughs) what is happening. So I I was curious if you interpreted it that way or if you 
were kind of like me and thought, no, he was just, it's this wish of somebody who cannot achieve those things because of their class standing or where they are, no matter how hard they try it, that is just not, uh, that's something that's not going to happen to them. Right. I, I think the first time I saw it, I was a little like, okay, so it's open in, to interpretation of how you want to see it. But then watching mm-hmm. it the second time, it felt to me, and I even wrote this down in my notes, it felt to me very, very clearly that the message was that the Kim family is trapped in the status quo, that it's the futility yeah. of that. Like it, it's the kind of a beautiful dream that is, let's be realistic, probably not going to happen. It's that, and it's the futility of, yeah. of hope almost in that scenario. Like it's kind of heartbreaking in that way. And I, I didn't think of the element that you said that where, how's he going to get this letter to them that it's really, he's just kind of writing it to out into the ether, but that actually makes it even more sad, <laughs> even more it's, kind it's of heartbreaking depressing. Because yeah. It's like, I, I can believe that maybe he revisits and like gets the Morse code. How many times do you have to do it to actually get a full right. thing? Probably tons of time. I can believe that, but there's no way that he can actually give that letter to his father unless he broke into this place, <laughs> you know, like there's no way he could do it. So uh, yeah. Okay. I'm glad I wanted to establish that because I was curious how you felt about the movie as a whole. And I feel like many people who um, maybe like the movie, but don't like it as much as me, um, view it as a oh that's what happens that's too neat yeah no and, I wouldn't like I didn't I wouldn't like that if that was the case uh, yeah I wouldn't like that either I would think like oh yeah why did it end like that but for me I was like damn it already hurt and now it really hurts because it just feels like that type of thing where you know I think this this is maybe going to be a bit of a downer but I, I'm going to try to be realistic okay, I think everybody wants to. Um, achieve greatness and I'll relate it to like the American dream, but I'm sure it's a very like global international feeling as mm-hmm. well as like a Korean feeling well, well, of like to that, to that point, hold, hold that thought to that point. I think, and my wife made notice of this, that in the movie, the parks all are like Nathan parks. Like they all have Americanized names. They all call that's true. the Kim family coming in. Oh, you're, we'll call you Kevin. You'll be Jessica. Da, da, da. Like it's a very yeah. Americanized South Korean household where they're learning English. Like it's very, it, it feels like almost the American dream has kind of seeped into this, you know, into like the upper class uh, South Korean, uh, you know, dynamic. Or, yeah, or, that, yeah, that or even like, you know, I think a lot of times when people are, I think America is very impactful, but still, if you're from a different place, you still love where you're from. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I think in certain cultures, having something American can be like a status symbol. Not that you want to be American or anything, but it's just like an extra layer of like, oh, I also have this thing or I also can speak English or I, I got his toys delivered from the U S so they're really native American headdress. And like, you see that really in the finale there too. Yeah. But the the point I was going to get to that's a bit of a downer is that like, I feel like, you know, the movie is trying to say that sometimes Obviously, are there people, do we hear these like amazing stories where someone, you know, they had $5 in their pocket, went to New York with a dream and became, I don't know, a huge celebrity and became a multimillionaire. That does happen. But the average person, no, you went to New York with $5 and then you lost the $5 and you're poor and you're living on the street. You know, like, it's just like, you're not like, you don't ascend to those heights. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in your family structure, your class, you kind of see within that system. 
So if you're like a middle class family, you know, like uh, I guess like an average for your wherever you're from kind of salary, you probably will be that way for the rest of your life. You know, you probably will meet someone in that type of circle. That's the type of lifestyle you'll live. Right. Right. Um, but I, I think for something for a family like the Kims, they at first it felt like their family was very much like, oh, we're hustling. We need to do this. We're scamming like this is our life, whatever. But there's that moment when they're in the house and they're like dreaming. They're like, well, maybe I marry her and then we'll get this house. And then we'll, you know, because it's it's this thing of like you always want to reach you want to reach for these like great heights of wealth and comfort and whatever but it just it's just not going to happen for most people and it's really depressing you know right because there are people who could really use it you know and i think the movie was trying to highlight that uh especially with their conversations am- amongst themselves as a family when they were talking uh in the park home alone you know when they were thinking like oh you can oh our son is gonna marry a rich girl you know <laughs> they're like thinking this is gonna help them achieve a higher level and it just was not a reality yeah and the son kiwu like he's he's the most optimistic or i guess naive of the bunch when it comes to that because even early in the movie when he's forging the document in order to get the job the dad's like oh that's a great skill you know we can use that he's like no no i'm not i'm just i'm not this i don't see this as a crime i'm just i'm gonna go to this university next year i'm just printing it out ahead of time. Like he has yeah. this whole thing framed that like, no, no, this is just, I'm just biding my time until I can actually make this dream a reality. And I, and I think that that perspective pretty much stays static through throughout the, uh, you know, the whole movie. Like that's kind of his perspective. And he, um, you know, he represents that, that idealistic, you know, young person who's like, oh, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become an influencer on Instagram and sure. I'm going to blow up. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. So, and I feel like that's a very millennial thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this person, like, <laughs> this is such a specific thing, but like the kombucha girl mm-hmm. who like was on TikTok, made some random video of her reacting to kombucha becomes like an instant meme. And is now she lived in Texas, now moved to L.A., I have no idea what her financial, like (laughs) how much money she's gotten from like sponsorships in just like less than a year. Who knows how long she can keep that going. But if she invests her money well, maybe she'll be fine. You know, like it's just like one of those things where it's like I could react to kombucha like I could do that. Right. Like maybe that could happen to me and it probably won't. You know, (laughs) like it's just it's all luck and random with those types of situations. But I think this film is talking about more of like uh, just just how our society or how I guess in, in this case the Korean society works and uh, yeah uh, gosh okay <laughs> I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed <laughs> even just thinking about everything that goes into this movie but well, like um yeah I, I was gonna say I think what um I think what makes this movie really work too is that it never really gets didactic about that like it's never like don't waste your time or, or, you know, you can hang with it. You can, you can make it happen. It's just kind of like, this is the reality as we see it. Take, you know, take it as you will. And it's much more uh, of a, an, not objective, but it's much more of an observant uh, story that's being told as opposed to, you know, this is the tra- this is the path to success or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's sure. giving you much more slice of life than that. And I think that works to the story's credit as well. Well, and I think that, you know, because I went to the movie not knowing anything, 
when the son, um, uh, it's Kiwu, right? Yeah. When he yeah. gets hired and he's using these tactics that are very like, okay, this guy is hustling. This guy is like, he knows the game and he's playing it the way he talks to the teenage girl and mm. he's trying to show like how he's like an authoritative figure and these like techniques that would look impressive to somebody who's maybe not listening to what he's saying. Um, you know, like, okay, he's doing it. And then when he gets his sister hired, I was like, okay, for me, the moment the sister is hired and she looks at the, she's getting a ride home and she takes off her underwear. I was like, what is happening? And like, you see that she had the conversation with her dad, like, oh, how long did you drive? Blah, blah. I'm like, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't because you you already have a good thing. Two of you are hired and getting paid really well, right? Already by dishonest means, too. Exactly. Especially when she starts going to the art therapy stuff. She's like, yeah, oh I just gosh. made it all up. I just that like, was, looked at the wow. thing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great moment. She was she was amazing. Again, the acting was phenomenal. Her character was great. Um, But when it starts escalating, I was like, at first, you're kind of rooting for them. Like, oh, this, or at least for me, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Um, it, you're living in a basement. That's not great. Yeah. Okay. You have to hustle and lie. Okay. I, I, I get it. But then when they got the guy fired, I was like, uh-oh, that's not great. And then the dad gets hired. And then they're like, well, how are we going to get this maid out of here? And it's like, wait, no, what? Like, and so they, to get their mom in, I, I was just shocked by that was the plan. And in the movie, they refer to what's the plan? What's the plan? So my assumption is that this isn't their first scam. Mm -hmm. This is how they've been living. So like, what's the plan? Like they, they mentioned what's the plan? Like maybe the first lines of the movie. Yeah, like and Ki, so Ki Woo and Ki Jong, uh, the, the the son and the daughter, they're they apparently are the the master planners of this whole thing. I think, but but they keep referring to their dad as well, mm -hmm. which I think that he is someone who the why his character really connected with me the most is that we see him at the beginning of the movie and there's the like fumigation thing happening, and everyone's like, oh, we should close the window, and he's like, no, I'll kill the bugs. Like he seems like. Oh, you know what? It doesn't. I'm gonna turn uh, lemons into lemonade. Right. We'll get rid of some of our bugs. Don't worry. It doesn't seem to phase him, right? But I think his story throughout the film is that things start to get to him. It's starting to crack at him, and obviously there is the ending point where he completely snaps mm -hmm. because of the fact that, regardless of how he's trying to just kind of roll with it, he realizes like, man, we're never gonna get out of this this is just they're always gonna look down at us uh it doesn't matter what i do it doesn't matter I, I look at the situations we're in you know like this is always gonna keep happening and then on top of that having someone insult you with like oh those people how they smell like all that stuff i think it just got to him and he cracked and it just it's just very interesting because I was not expecting that from his character because at the beginning he was so like, ah, oh, you know what? Fumigation, it's good for you. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's fine. We'll be fine. Like it's totally okay. And then to him, like when, um, I, I know I'm going all over the place. No, I apologize. No, it's just, but yeah. It's hard not to. Yeah. That, that scene when they're, uh, when they think they're alone, <laughs> We'll have to rewind to get into how <laughs> this happens. But uh, when they think 
the Park family, the the husband and wife, when they think they're alone and they're on the couch and they smell the couch and they're like, oh, you know, it smells like those people, like the types of people who like take a subway or like, or uh, Mr. Kim, like those people. And you could see on his face that look. Mm-hmm. At first, it looks kind of comical, like he's like sniffing his shirt or whatever. But you could kind of see like it's heartbreaking. He's kind of like, damn, like, wow, like I can't. I like I, I'm not even doing anything and you're you're referring to me as this like less than person because of the smell because it's not the wealthy smell or whatever you know yeah absolutely uh, yeah just his character I just connected with him the most since he goes through such a transition yeah and Mr. Park throughout the movie numerous times will say oh you know this guy he doesn't cross the line like there's a very clear division between yeah. you and who you are and your place and you stay in your place and I'm you know, I ride in the back seat. You drive and open my door, and you cook mm-hmm. my. You have my uh, what is it, Ramdon made in eight minutes before we get home, and you oh, know <laughs> have okay. to deal with that. Like it, it's the level of privilege that the parks are dealing with that they're completely oblivious to, where they have this impromptu party that's nicer than any party I've ever had, and they're and they're yeah. just like so casual about it. Oh, we'll just have these people do everything for us, and it's. Not realizing it's in a, you know, that's the big question. You, you hear like all the time, like in, in, a, in the title of a movie and it has numerous meanings, like in this movie, who is the parasite? Which one is the parasite? Because everybody's parrot. It's like, you know, they, they're everybody's feeding off of each other, basically. Yeah, I, I was watching uh, the extra like uh, there was an extra Q&A thing on the digital copy of Parasite because I bought it immediately, of course. <laughs> and um it was from, I think, Fantastic Fest. And in the Q&A, someone asked, like, what what do you mean by Parasite? What is the title referring to? And uh, Bong Joon-ho had, you know, many things to say. But one thing that was interesting is that he's like, well, obviously, you probably think the poorer family is are parasites. They are going after things. And I guess in Korea, the title is, like, way more controversial there because it's the, the word parasite is very connected to people, I guess, who are um poor and so uh-huh. like it, it was a little bit like a questionable title uh there but he also mentioned that you know the park family is also leeching off of the labor mm-hmm. of the kim family like yep. they are relying like they can't drive they can't cook they can't clean <laughs> you know like they're relying on them to educate their children to do all these things to uh, function for them so that they can keep moving on and maintaining their status. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting because I, I didn't even begin to think about how the Park family is represented in the title. I was just thinking about the Kim family. Um, but yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it can't The way you interpret the title alone can mean multiple things. And then you have, you know, the the uh, the old housekeeper and her husband in the basement. Oh, and, okay. and the way that the way that they're parafeeding off of them, like it's, that's like on my second viewing, I actually enjoyed the movie a lot more because I was able to set aside all the hype that I had been built up in on film sure. Twitter. Like I was like, okay, movie lay it on me. And it's like, okay, that was really good. And then the second time I was like, wow, there's a lot more to this that I didn't even see the first time. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, to go back to, we mentioned us earlier, you, you see how the, the two sides of the coin here are, sort of to borrow a term from that movie, tethered together and how it's like depending, uh, you know, who is, who, who has the upper hand kind of shifts based on the situation, I guess, based on the way you want to look at it. And I think this, yeah. the movie 
captures that well in that when it starts off, as you're saying, you start off on the side of the Kim family. You're like, okay, cool. Good for them. They're hustling. They're making it happen. And then you start to shift. You're like, wait a minute. I don't know. Maybe I'm on the Parks family side. This is kind of shady. Now they're using like peach fuzz and they're like all this other stuff. We'll have to get to the, the, what is it? Moon Gwang and her husband in a second. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then, and then it just kind of shifts back and forth to the, who you get to the point where they are under the table and they're on the sofa, like you were saying. And not only are they sort of mocking his smell, but then they're literally, and this I noticed even more so the second time, they're literally fetishizing the poor where he's like, hey, do you have those cheap yeah. panties? She's like, oh, yeah, you're going to buy me drugs. And it's like, ooh, look how dirty we are. We're like these other like nasty people that we, we you know what I mean? It's, it's like mm-hmm. a whole other level of disrespect than what was already happening. Yeah, that that was actually very shocking because at, at first when they think their driver may have had sex in their car or whatever, they're like, why would someone do right. this? Like, oh, it's disgusting, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't believe whatever. And then cut to them <laughs> like, kind of into basically it. role playing it because <laughs> they're like, well, it's kind of hot, right? Like, you know, like, just like, wait a minute. You were just you just fired someone over this right. and you are making it into something that you I mean, I guess like kind of objectifying it. It's it's just yeah, that scene is wild. (laughs) It's just like, oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, to to go back to talking about the lead up to, I guess, the major turn of the movie, you know, when they get uh, the maid, what was the maid's name? Uh, Moon Gwang, it says in the, I have it up here. Yes. When she is fired, well, first, (laughs) the elaborate, like, okay, She's allergic to peaches. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure to time everything. Like when I'm talking about it, it sounds so ridiculous, but the movie is able to execute it so smoothly. Like, you know, uh, Mrs. Park coming up the stairs and in shock, seeing her cough. And then Mr. Kim picks up the uh, Kleenex that he puts hot sauce on mm-hmm. that looks like blood. Like all that, it me just saying it sounds crazy but yeah but the way in, it's done in the movie it's like wow they pulled it off it's like they some did kind it. of oceans 11 style exactly situation yeah. where you're like i don't like what they're doing but you know respect I, for pulling it together i guess yeah i'm impressed like you you really pulled something together that is ridiculous but you did it and so yeah when she's fired so for me i was like where is this movie going because I didn't, I wasn't expecting anything that had happened at that point. Mm-hmm. And we see her leave the home and she keeps looking back. And I'm thinking, oh, that's so devastating. Obviously, she's worked there for so long. She's probably just so shocked that she's fired. And, oh, that sucks for her. Maybe she'll come back asking for her job or something, you know. Uh, but then when she does come back and it's so, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so when the, <laughs> when the, Park family leaves and they're like, oh, we're going to go camping for our son's birthday. We don't stay in the house ever since his last birthday. He had a seizure. He was so scared by he said he saw something. I'm like, oh, that's horrible. I'm not even thinking about anything else. Just like, oh, that's horrible. Then the Kim family is just straight up having a party and it gets so messy. I was stressed by how messy they Mm -hmm. made the home within seconds like within seconds they're like oh well let's just throw bottles around let's just like <laughs> like throw all the garbage around who cares and that's the moment where they're talking about uh like oh isn't this nice imagine what if you get married to her like they're starting to fantasize about what if this was our home 
that would be great, wouldn't it? And like, I think even um, the son goes to his sister because she's like taking a bath to give her some water. And he later reflects on like, you look like you belong here. Like, you know, like we could do like, imagine how like that luxurious this would be if this was our lifestyle, like every day. Um, That whole moment was really like, I was starting to get very tense because I was like, what is going to happen? Are are they going to come back and catch them? Or is the, is, are the Kim family planning to kill the Park family? What is going to happen? Like, I just had no idea. So then when uh, the maid comes back and you kind of can see her face through that like TV monitor thing that right. they have, but she looks bad. It's like, oh, uh-oh. I... I straight up thought, oh, this is like a supernatural horror film. She's here to kill all the like I, I thought something like that was about to happen. Like that was gonna be the twist. <laughs> she has like uh, a machete behind her back or something. Some, exactly. I thought that was something bad. And th- instead when she comes in, she's like, Oh, I forgot something. And I'm thinking, what? I, this is a lie. She's lying. When they cut to I should talk about like the cinematography is amazing in this mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Uh, as well as like the production design when they cut to her in the basement trying to move the shelving unit thing, that was terrifying because for a second, at least for me, maybe I'm alone. I thought she was levitating (laughs) and I was like, (laughs) I don't know what's happening. And then I'm like, Oh no, she's using the force to like move the shelving unit. Um, everything that happens after that is so shocking. Like there's a hidden basement because and and it all feels like, yeah, I guess that would make sense. The architect who lived there before would be maybe slightly embarrassed that he created like a doomsday bunker just in case something happened with North Korea. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this elaborate way uh, going down the stairs and his and her husband's there and he's been there for, I guess, like four years, weeks? I think. Yeah. Well, well, yes, well, well yeah, yeah. Yeah. Four years, but also, yeah, weeks since without without her being in the house, I guess. And then she's trying Gosh. to feed. It's just and that moment when she is trying to say, like, please, like, sis, you know, understand. And then Mrs. Kim is like, don't call me sis. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, no, I have no sympathy. And she's looking down at her to talk about this movie. When I reviewed it, I kept saying the word symbolism and trying not to say it like too much. <laughs> but this movie is very symbolic because there is a lot of stuff to do with like height, like the parks live up on a hill. The mm-hmm. Kims live literally like below the ground. Uh, a lot of times when they're speaking to one another, whoever's in power is looking down at the person who isn't. And so in that scene, when Mrs. Kim is looking down at her, it's like, wow, can't you sympathize? Like you're in a similar situation. You can't just like, or like, have some empathy, like, I, I hear what you're saying, grab your things and go or, or like, I'm not going to call the police. But right. instead, she's like, I'm going to call the police, blah, blah, blah. And then when her family falls into frame and the power shifts and she has her phone <laughs> and records it. And then now they're on the ground and she's looking down at them or at least at, at least kind of. Um, right. That whole moment was just amazing. Just how things changed within like three minutes mm-hmm. of the film. And I was so shocked. I had no idea that's where this movie was going to go. And we get like a little glimpse of, yeah, they've lived there for four years. And uh, I, I guess this seems like a very specifically Korean thing as far as like 
the loan shark thing, they had to escape um, somewhat. I, I guess, I guess uh, at least I think I heard this, that in Korea, it's very pop. It's a lot of people are having financial trouble because they all opened up these specific types of shops mm-hmm. like cafes or something. And then they, because there was too many, they all went out of business or a lot of them went out of business right. and then they had to use like loan sharks and the, uh, it's just like people are having like horrible financial situations because of this. And that's what, uh, I guess the maid and her husband are going through. Um, but they seemed happy and they're dancing together and, you know, like, and then it's just sad that like, he seems to have lost his mind a bit mm-hmm. being down there for so long. Respect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that that whole thing, the way the way the phone was used also like as a threat, mm-hmm. like if you move, I will just send this video and they'll know that you lied, like no. that you're like, you know, like it's just like like you said, like we start the movie and first there's stink bugs, which kind of feels like it's a parasite symbolism as well. Yes. And, and yes. then, you know, the Kims are are using the parks and then now they're in some position of power just minutes after Mrs. Kim was saying, Oh, she's just, she's just nice because she's rich. And you know, that whole dynamic, uh, that whole question of, well, are you a nice person because you're rich or you, you know, how is that whole, you know, that whole thing work, the, the privilege yeah. that they have. And then they have a little bit of power. And the first thing Mrs. Kim does is exert it on, uh, on Moon Gwang and her husband and be like, no, you people, ugh, you're, you're in that. You, we live in a sub basement, yeah. but you live in an actual basement. So yeah. we're above you at least. Uh, and, and the, the shift in tones, like you, you, you know, you sort of alluded to already, like we go from kind of a, a domestic drama with them in there, in the, in the living room, having a conversation about class and, oh, maybe we could live here, whatever. Then a horror movie where they go down the stairs and then the, the three of the Kim family have like a pratfall <laughs> down the stairs. Yeah. And then it shifts into a thriller. So it's like within a span of five minutes, they hit like three or four different genres and yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a great sequence and the way that, as you said, the way that it's shot and everything, it's just, there's, there's so much to dig into just in that one sequence alone that I, I really, I, I have to, I wonder if there's a um, commentary or something that's going to be on the Blu-ray. Cause I definitely want to hear more what Bong Joon-ho has to say about, about all of this. Cause it's so well, like brilliantly constructed, just the way that that whole thing goes on. And then the way that the film ends with Mr. Kim you know, they gambled everything on the Park family and it backfires mm-hmm. and he actually goes from the sub-basement to the basement himself that he's in a worse position than he was at the oh. beginning of the movie. It's like, oh my God. Um. Yeah, that that is wild. And I think that, you know, the moment where uh, where things escalate, where it's obviously like, okay, um, we got the upper hand and now we're putting them back in the basement and <laughs> I had to make this Ram Don noodle thing really quick and somehow hide all the garbage mm-hmm. that we <laughs> did and everyone's hiding underneath that table. Um, that whole moment is just so tense and you're pretty much tense. I think until the Kim family can leave the house mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like, well, what do you do? And I think even the son asked his father, like, what's the plan? And eventually, you know, there's that horrible storm that's happening and their community is flooded, um, which I also learned that during for production, everything was a set, apparently. And so that like community was built into like a huge pool area so that they could flood it 
uh, later for that scene. I thought like, wow, that's crazy. Cause that looks like a real location. Yeah. It does not look like a set at all. Um, but yeah, when that, when their home is flooded and they have to sleep in that place where everyone is sleeping and he looks at his dad's like, what's the plan? And his dad's like, there's no plan. The, the best plan is no plan because you can't be disappointed with no plan Yeah. because he's like, do you think it was everyone's plan to be here in this gym? No, but it happened. And so there's no plan. And it kind of seems like that's the beginning of the end for his character. Cause he's given up. Mm-hmm. What was making him move forward was always having a plan, always looking on the bright side, always trying to manipulate it to work in his favor. And I think at that moment he's like, no, it's, it's over. It's just they, I've heard what they've said about me. I, I realize where I am. I, I can't, I, there is no plan. I can't spin this to be a positive. Right. Um, that was really interesting to me. So when they go back and <laughs> Mrs. Park is like, Oh my gosh, the rain was amazing. Ugh, we sometimes just need that. Like, you know, and she's just talking about how it was a positive thing for her because she lives up on the hill. It's probably nice and sparkly and whatever not having any knowledge of knowing like the Kim family, that was horrible for them. Their home is flooded. Everything they had in there is probably ruined, you know, like it, it, it's just like such a difference in the lifestyles that they're living. And then she does the smell thing and mm-hmm. he can see it. And it's like, Oh my gosh. So it's just like one thing after another, after another. So that when it finally escalates to that party, it's, Obviously, he shouldn't have killed the guy, but you almost understand like, yeah, he snapped Mm -hmm. because what was he supposed to do once he's like trying to save someone and he can't handle the smell of this man because he lives in a basement, you know, like, uh, yeah, the the whole movie, he's telling his his son and his daughter and. He's like, oh, we, you know, like you were saying, the optimism, like we could do this. It's like, oh, Kiwu, you could, you totally, I don't know why you're not in school. Like you're so smart and look at what uh, Kijong can do. It's like, you know, it's hard out there, but we're going to get our chance. And that's the moment where he's like, I guess, I guess not. (laughs) I guess there is no chance. I'm never, this is, this is, this is my lot in life. And then, you know, at the party and he hasn't put on the headdress and basically he's like, oh, okay. I'm so I'm Mr. Park's dancing monkey now is what's going on. That's, that's, that's the situation here. Uh, You know, it's obviously, as you were saying, we're not like, sure, kill the guy. He has it coming. But, but the movie does a good job of having a, of making us at least empathize with him. Like we understand where it's coming from and it's a lot more complicated than just black. It's not black and white. Let's put it that way. And I, I, you know, it's not for, uh, for Mr. Kim either. Like as soon as it's done, he's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. Mr. Park and then he's when he's saying like to himself in the basement and um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where he just lost control and, and, and it happens. Watch the news. Shit like this happens a lot. Maybe not in this yeah. dynamic or in his craziest scenario, but it's like, it's life takes its toll on, on people. And I think this movie does a good job of uh, conveying that. And I think another moment that actually sticks out to me that I got some clarity watching that Q and a thing when the son is talking to his now girlfriend, which is very, that's a, a whole other dynamic mm-hmm. that like, I didn't realize that he, it seemed like he was kind of mimicking his friend, mm-hmm. Min, yeah. the guy who gives him the rock at the beginning and says that it'll bring him wealth. It, it, and then immediately he's like, oh, you know, I like this girl. So you can teach because I know you're not going to do anything right. Which seems like already kind of a dig like, well, 
I'm better than you. So like clearly nothing's going to happen between you and my girlfriend. Right. And then something immediately happens. Um, but that scene where it's towards the end when he asks her like, Hey, do I fit in? Do I look like everybody else? Do I fit into this crowd? Um, and she answers kind of like, yeah, like not really thinking about it. Uh, I guess Bong Joon-ho was like, she's naive. She's mm-hmm. never experienced anything outside of her bubble. Right. So she's, of she's course like, she would. Yeah. She's like, fit in where? What do you mean? I don't know. It's just we're all the, whatever. It's all, it's all good. This is, yeah. Like that's, she exactly. has no concept of the, of, of that there are people in different situations than her. Yeah. So that question alone is like, hmm, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, of course, like whatever. I think that's just so interesting because I think he, you know, he wants to try and make things better. He's the connection with the rock is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. He takes the rock down there. And then obviously there's a turn because the guy gets a hold of it and smashes his head with it. Like I thought he was dead. I was shocked that so he did, yeah, so was I. after that. I she was. Um, was. And so, yeah, it's just uh, like, I don't know. I'm just so it's hard to even continue to talk because I'm just like, I don't know how to express how many layers the film has that I think even us, like as much as we're dissecting the film, I'm sure if you're Korean and like you see other things because there was a, an element that I don't know if you picked up on this where Mr. Kim is talking to Mr. Park, like, well, you love your wife, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I picked and up he on asked this. that more than once. And I was like, what? I, I never understood what that was referring to or, what he was trying to imply with that. Mm-hmm. It, but it always felt so awkward because Mr. Park's reaction was always like, well, what's love? Like, like, yeah, we'll call it love. Yeah. It was always like, whoa, what's that about? It, but I'm sure maybe someone can understand that who, uh, maybe it's like a cultural thing. I'm not quite sure. I'm, um, yeah. I think that there are, I mean, there are obviously more layers than we're even mentioning here. I think you see a little bit with that with, uh, Day Song, the the boy, the supposed art prodigy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. His sister is like, you know, he's faking it, right? He just wants attention. So in a way, like he's using the situation to his advantage. So he's a parasite, and then it's like, uh, uh, yeah. Mr. Park, and like, yeah, maybe he he maybe he's more physically attracted to his wife. Maybe he's got a girlfriend on the side. We don't know that he's like with her, but he gets something out of the relationship. So he's like, is it love? I don't know. It works for me. I get what I want. She she likes to role play on the sure, sofa apparently yeah. with like somebody's gross panties, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he's like yeah I don't know I get what I need from it I don't I don't know it's it's a little what really struck me this time watching it was that I, and I keep going back to the party because I think that the party is so telling the contrast as you were saying with the reactions to the rain and mm-hmm. you know them in the beginning of the movie folding pizza boxes and trying to like oh well we need to you know get enough money to buy food and then like trying to get the corners of uh of the house to get a wi-fi signal so they could check their whatsapp or uh that mm-hmm. great image that really stood out to me both time of um of kijong sitting like in that toilet area where they were using for the internet and is like you know sewage or whatever coming out of the toilet while she's yeah. while it's like the whole place is coming down she's just sitting there smoking just like well this is this is how my life works and then you get the next morning to the park's house and mrs park is like oh can you put these tables out and put them in in you know a crane's wing formation and oh this is uh <laughs> this is day song's trauma recovery cake and meanwhile these people are like i just gotta pay my bills um and, yeah. and they're they're everything is so 
everything with the parks is so about artifice, about um, just like, just, you know, wasteful, over the top and completely, uh, completely ignorant to to anything less, basically. And I think that that it's hilarious. The the level of again, that's the dark comedy coming out of it. It's hilarious how the level to which Mrs. Park gets into this party and uh, the the details and how they contrast with what the Kims are going through. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And like to speak about their son, the park son, like when you realize that the painting or the drawing that he made had little like eyes and you're like, what? And it's like, oh, that was the man coming up to get mm-hmm. like food or something. And like, it's just like, oh my gosh. So that's why you guys have been leaving for his birthday because he saw the guy who lives in the home. <laughs> and like, that is terrifying. Of course you'd be scared. It's just like, Oh, I, I I can't believe it. And then the whole like Morse code thing, that was like another layer that I wasn't expecting that this guy, because he seems to have kind of lost it a bit, is communi- trying to communicate subtly with Mr. Park because mm-hmm. uh, he respects the home and he's trying to give him respect because he's he, like, wow, that whole thing was just like, OK, OK, what is happening? You know, yeah, he's like, it, it's, it's like very- a, it's like a worship thing for Mr. Park. He's like, he provides me with things and every Yeah. And then we see Mr. Kim kind of do something similar, it seems like mm-hmm. towards the end. Um, but what one thing that I thought was really interesting is that, like, I I feel like for the beginning of the movie with uh, Min, the friend who mm-hmm. brings the rock, the rock that is supposed to symbolize wealth, right? Right. It, it's almost, I, I apologize because I, I haven't fully thought out this thought, but it it is saying something about how, I'm not going to say he's irresponsible, but it's almost like he doesn't realize maybe because he's in a different status level a little bit from his friend, like bringing this type of scam to them. Right. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't understand like somebody who's in a different situation telling them about something is going to get their hopes up. If that I hope I'm making sense, but like about the, are you, do you mean about the rock specifically or about the, the, uh, about the scam? About the tutor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I think he's bringing a situation that he assumes they can handle, mm-hmm. but doesn't realize that this is going to be like only the beginning for them. And they're going to keep taking advantage. They're not just going to do the tutoring. They're going to try to Take infiltrate this family. home. Yeah. Yes. So like you, you know, you probably don't realize this because you're not as poor as them. So you don't think they would really need to do that. So you're you're dangling this thing in front of them that they're obviously going to clamor at. It's not just like, oh, thanks for the opportunity. It's like, OK, we're taking over, you know, type of I mentality. And I think he yeah. knows that his that that uh, the Kims are all about that, like that. That's their their thing. I don't I feel like he's a more casual think, friend than that. Yes. But I also feel like it's saying something about people who are oblivious mm. to other people's situation. Okay. Yeah. I but I just that. haven't, I haven't completely formatted that thought. So that's why I'm like saying it with like a question mark at the end. Right. <laughs> because I'm kind of like, I, I feel like that's a little bit where it's going. I, you know, like the whole thing with the friend, it's just like, 
it, it's just very interesting, especially because it's like, how are they friends? Like, where did that? Yeah, start? I, like, I know. I was wondering that too. And, and it's, you know, it's another it's another layer of men using uh, using exactly. Kiwu. He's he's mm-hmm. again he's par- a parasite feeding off of Kiwu. He's like, well, my friend, mm-hmm. he's desperate. He'll take this job. He's like, yeah. he's not of the same le- you know level as me. Dahai is not gonna be into him, whatever. It's all good. And then immediately, yeah, yeah, that doesn't work out so well. But, um, but yeah, everybody, everybody in this movie is using everyone else. And that is is essentially the thing. And I think, yeah, the the movie, it's just a microcosm of our society. And you, oh, another movie. uh, Well, Knives Out was another one I I thought about too, for the class thing. Oh yeah. But Hustlers too, which is kind of touches on, that's the whole thing where she, uh, Jennifer Lopez says towards the end where she's like, you know, there's people dancing and there's people you know, paying or whatever she says, something like that. That's like everybody is every relationship on a grand scale is a, is a matter of give and take. You're either being used or you're the, the, you know, you're the user. And I, yeah, think, I think, I think she's equating like yeah. society as a strip club. Right, yeah. Exactly. I, I think, I think, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, no, I think that that's here. very true that that's kind of what this movie is tackling as well. Like every, like if you are naive, you will definitely be taken advantage of like Mrs. Park who. I think at the beginning of the film, you almost think, oh, she's going to be kind of tough to convince, but she's so gullible. She (laughs) believes, you know, she's like, she's so naive that she's taken, I'm sure she's taken advantage of in other ways that we couldn't even imagine Mm -hmm. because, you know, that we didn't see in this film. Um, Well, there's a man hidden in her basement that she doesn't know about. So that's one uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's that major element there. Um, But yeah, no, I agree that the movie is probably very similar to like a lot of films of last year that were tackling this topic saying like (sighs) the world and how we structure our society, how we view people, it's going to create this like obviously unfair balance that the people who are at the bottom are not going to want to stay at the bottom. Why would they? Mm-hmm. What You know, they're at the bottom. They don't have as much. They're going to try to climb up to the top. And they're, they can't do it honestly. So they have to scam their way through it. You know? And, and I think that's why, as an audience, you kind of... Uh, you understand where the Kim family is coming from, at least to a certain point. Right. And for, for me, the turn was when they when the maid was fired. Yeah. The I was peaches like, okay. start coming out and you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like when the peaches are used as a weapon later in the movie, it's like, what is happening? You know, like, um, but yeah, it, you, you can understand somebody's fight. Like I'm not saying I would run a scam. However, I guess if I was pushed to it, like if I felt like there's no other way, y- you're doing what you can, what you, what you need to survive. Right. And and be and feel like a human being, because I think that's the worst part that the Kims, yeah, they're hustling and they were trying to like take it as, as a positive thing, but they were viewed as lower than human, you know. I guess like parasites, they were viewed as like literally like they're not people, and that's heartbreaking, you know. It's just really sad, and I can I can see why someone would eventually snap from that. Right, which is why why it's so you know it's so key that the movie starts in their home so you see the kind of squalor that they're in where there's people outside peeing in an alley and you know the fumigation you see the like the the terrible conditions in which they are barely scraping by 
And so, yeah. so you know, for those, like you said, for the first whatever, it's, well, it's actually like 50 minutes in that the whole family is entrenched in the house. I think you're mm-hmm. kind of on their side for like maybe the first half hour of that until like the, the peaches start coming out. But um, yeah, but yeah, I think to in Mrs. Park's uh, defense, they're really good at this. <laughs> like Kiwu yeah, and his talented. whole like <laughs> his whole like oh, what you need is vigor, that whole thing, and then and then uh, Ki Jong and her whole like sales pitch about like how she owns the space, and she's like, I will not be interrupted in my lesson. I'm just like, wow, she's so confident like i'm convinced of this and i know what's going on um mm-hmm. and just the way that the i was really kind of in you know to the whole point of the oceans 11 of it all in this movie which there is kind of an element of that here uh in the first half the the way in which that they play uh, mr and mrs park off of each other really blew me away like the way that they tell mm-hmm. you know they tell her about they 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 tell mrs park about the whole thing with the housekeeper and how she's got tuberculosis. But, you know, she's like, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't mention this to my husband. So really, they only have to sell one person on this scam. They don't have to convince yeah, the world. Yeah. It's not going to be exposed. And then when it comes to the driver, uh, well, actually, you know, kind of leading up to that, um, Mr. Kim gives him the, the business card. And he's like, oh, you know, don't even mention me. Don't worry about it. She's like, oh, he's like, oh, good point. He's like, I'll make myself look like the heroic husband. So it's like they kind of like cordon off their like let the layers of their scam to to work that uh, that dynamic of that disconnect between Mr. and Mrs. Park. That's clearly in the movie. Um, yeah. And, and like they they take advantage of the the marital, you know, situation in that house. Yeah. Whatever, whatever their dynamic is, th- right. they are able to manipulate. Exactly. It. And that manipulation, I guess, like, because when I first left the movie, when I saw it the first time, I was talking to my husband. I'm like, are the Kims good people? Like, I was kind of simplifying. It. I'm like, are they good or bad? And then I was kind of like, well, I I think at the end of the day, this film is just about how complex everything is. And I think the Kim family, it's not even about them being good or bad or whatever. I think they were just people in a situation where they felt like, we have to do what we need to do to survive. So if we need to manipulate someone, someone's marriage, um, we will do that. Right. And we will, we will take uh, the opportunity to mislead one person and then they'll talk to the spouse or whatever. Like, it seems like they were very much aware, like, because I was kind of like, they didn't even seem to feel bad about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why would they? Because it's like, they need to survive. They're like, this is what we need to do. And then, you know, I guess it's a little bit of greed. They're like, well, if two people are working in there, why not all four? Right. Yeah. The, yeah exactly. All, yeah. And then yeah. they have that conversation where they're the Mr. Kim sitting around with like the amount of money that's coming out of that house into ours. It, it's mm-hmm. yeah. And it, here's yeah. the other thing. Like, we don't know. I guess we don't know how much time has passed between when all of them get their jobs and, you know, later in the film, but it doesn't, this is the other thing that kind of struck me. It doesn't seem like they're particularly interested in improving their situation. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. making this money, yeah. but yet you don't see them like moving into a different place or like, you know, maybe getting some cleaning shit up or like, you know, they're, they're yeah, just they're like, not, yeah, we're going to stay here. What are they doing with all this, the money that they're making? If they're not, you know what I mean? I don't, I, I'm assuming it's just maybe too small of a period for that to really yeah. come to fruition or, they're being paid so little, but to them, it's still worth it. I, I'm not exactly sure. They, I mean, they get access to the house at least. And the movie does a good job. Uh, you know, obviously 
that's a really cool, really impressive house. And I think that's important. If it wasn't a house that us, the viewer, were like, well, shit, I want to live there too. I think... It, it, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. The movie wouldn't wouldn't hold together the same way. It has to be a, a, an object of envy for the viewer as well as the Kims, that we can see it through their eyes. And I think, uh, you know, I think that the movie, you know, the the house is is befitting of that. And and um, yeah, that you know, it makes sense that they would aspire for something more akin to what the parks are living. Yeah, and as far as the amount of time that goes by, I my assumption is just that one, it was brief. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's only been like maybe a few weeks, maybe less than like two months. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think also there is something to say that regardless, you would think like, oh, if you're getting into money, let's like maybe we should like do some financial planning and like figure out like, okay, how long you think that conversation would at least start to happen, even if you haven't made that much money. But I think for them, they're very much like, well, one, they're very much of the moment. Mm -hmm. Like they're not, they're not thinking about their future, which I think is also a class thing because, you know, I think (laughs) this is, uh, going to be a random reference, but I recently watched set it off for the first time and in that movie, there's a character that's talking to this like wealthy guy who's talking about like, what's your five year plan? You know, like, where are you going to be in five years? And she's like, I haven't thought about that because she's in like kind of a different financial standing than him. And so then she asks her friend, who's also not wealthy, like, what do you want to do in five years? And her friend's like, I'm not thinking about five years. I'm thinking about right now. I can't, I can't think about the future like that. That's, that's not a luxury I have. I have to think about how I'm going to pay my bills today. I have to think about what I need to do today. And I think many people who are poor, who are kind of living like paycheck to paycheck, like this whole, like, you know, you should save your money and like figure out what you're going to do. It's like, no, that's cute. That's, that's a great idea. I would love to do that. I don't have the luxury of doing that. And so I think for the Kim family, they might be in a situation since they've always been in the situation where the idea of like, huh, what place do we want to move into? And like, maybe we should like get some storage containers and like <laughs> clean up the place. Like, I don't even think they're like even beginning to think of that because they're just like, no, we need to like do this hustle. And then they're obviously their dreams become more inflated as into, time yeah. goes by. Yeah. So I, I, that's, that's how I took it. At least. It just feels like they just, like they just buy all, they just buy in on the fact that, well, we're just going to keep infiltrating this house until we got like, yeah, they just they they fixate on the house, and it, it's almost like yes, like they cling to the. I don't know if I'm reaching here, but they it's like they cling to the house the way that Kiwu clings to that rock at that at that you know in the climax of like right before the climax of the movie, like when they're in the rain and stuff, and he's like looking for it, and he's like holding on to it, like that's him mm-hmm. clinging on to hope, and so they're clinging to this house, like this is their this is their you know their their way out basically, and so they I don't think I think they're so they have such blinders on to any other options that they're just like, no, no, this house, this is it. This is what we're doing. This is our big, yeah, our big scam. This is our like, you know, after this, we're going to go straight kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't think they really entertain any other options. Yeah, I, I agree. And like to, to go back to the ending, cause I know we started with the ending, but the, the connection between uh, the family and the father and that the father is separated from them, which I really think the father was like the thing holding the family together mm-hmm. like because he was always so positive because he always had a plan. Um, the fact that, you know, the sister dies and 
at the end, we see the son. He's severely brain damaged and seems to have like awkward laughter reactions. Joker disease. Joker disease. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever the <laughs> Joker has. Yeah, he he's developed now. Um, and it kind of seems like who knows if they're still like hustling and scamming by the end of the movie, especially mm-hmm. because they have a little bit of surveillance on them uh, because of the police. Uh, but it just feels like there's a huge missing heart of the family because the dad is not there. And the sister, you know, like too. If, the only one who had and the, and the sister, the only one yeah. who apparently had acting experience, as they mentioned during that conversation there. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that's another thing. When they're rehearsing, they're like, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. let's let's tone it down. Like, it's he's so like, you're up funny. to here. I need you up to over here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, but yeah, I I think the ending is like, wow, this family is, it's it, it, it not that the family was had much hope to begin with, but it's truly over now because the dad is not part of it anymore and he's trapped and like you know the dad is in a situation where like if he were to he can leave the home right mm-hmm. but if he were to do that he'd be arrested where is he supposed to go right you know like he can't just like roam the streets because if <laughs> the incident made news it seems like everyone in the country would know who he is so he's trapped unless he's ready to go to jail and the family's kind of trapped because they don't have the person who was really like guiding them through their their plans, like guiding them through what they're going to do to survive. So mm-hmm. it's just him and his mom. And it seems like just really, really sad at the end. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's hard because I, I, I like I think I mentioned earlier, the movie is not trying to come up with a solution. It's not trying to say like, and therefore we all should you know, disperse our wealth and, you know, it's not, it's not doing anything like that. It's just saying like, yeah, this is reality. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. This is how people view each other and how wealth really impacts your standing and uh, your class, like how, how you're going to be viewed by society. So, yeah. The fact that the Kims, like, as I, I sort of mentioned earlier, but the Kims aspire to something more and instead they end up in like basically sort of a social shoots and ladders where they try to get up and then they slip back below even lower than they already were to the point mm-hmm. that, that they are those people that they were looking down on in that, you know, that pivotal sequence early in the middle of the movie. Um, and of course it's, you know, Mr. Park pinching his nose that ultimately sets him off uh, in, yeah. in that climax, yeah. which again, as we said, it was really well threaded. That's just like, that's where the movie, I mean, there's a sequence in the middle of the film, obviously, with uh, Moon Gwang and her husband and that revelation. There is the, the moment that I wanted to make sure I, meant, I mentioned because it's one of the biggest gasp moments in the movie when Mrs. Kim just like casually kicks mm-hmm. her down the stairs. And you're just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Like she yeah. is one. He, she is clearly the most the least optimistic, the most bitter of the Kim family. But from her perspective, I mean, look at the situation. One of them is making out with a teenager while he's teaching her English. The other one Mm -hmm. is just pretending that she knows about art. One is driving a fancy car around and she's like chopping up sirloin and like stirring things and like cleaning. Like she's got all the nitty gritty, like physical labor basically of the group. So it kind of makes sense why she would be like, no, no, screw this. I'm not, I'm not, she's not going to mess this up for me. This is, I've gotten this far. I'm not slipping down to her level. She's going to kick her back down to the basement where she belongs below me, below where I've ascended to basically. And I think that's a really, a really shocking 
moment and that sequence, that moment, and then the ending where it just goes full horror movie where there's the skewer yeah. with the sausages on it and all of that. It's just, oh. it's, it's complete bananas where this movie ends up, but it's, it's like you said, it's, it somehow all fits together. This crazy tonal, like, I don't want to say mishmash cause that in, implies that it doesn't fit together, but it's like somehow he amalgamated all these different genres. And the movie is both like both heartbreaking and kind of thrilling and, and depressing, but also kind of hilarious in moments. It's 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 the the full cinematic experience basically. So which is why, if it was to win Best Picture, as I'm increasingly hoping it does, I mm-hmm. you know I would be one fine with that because it's another you know it's it's a movie that is very uh, you know very relevant to to this, this current moment as far as everything that it's saying. It's a it's a movie that would break boundaries. Like, I don't think there's ever been a foreign language film that's won best picture. If I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Yeah, but I'm, not, I'm not quite been, sure, but I know it's, it's, it's been a long time if, it, if there is. Yeah. It's rare if it has. So yeah, it would be like a historical moment. Right. And it gives you everything you want in a movie. Like, you know, it has moments of every genre pretty much you can think of. And it's one of those films that has, it has 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like one of those movies that pretty much like, it's hard to not like, it's hard to not, find this movie, get something out of it, even if it's not necessarily your your genre, assuming you can label this particular genre, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, thinking about the other nominees in the category, it's just that I just think this movie is so unique mm-hmm. for everything that you just said because it's able to meld everything together so seamlessly and flu like everything is so fluid and smooth like even like to go into that kick that you referenced Mm -hmm. i feel like another filmmaker would like zoom into the wife and you could see her hesitation and like whatever like it'd be like a whole thing but in this movie it's just like nope boop i'm kicking you and i'm I'm keep walking and i'm doing you know like it's just like it's And I think that even that action alone, you could like probably dissect into a whole other thing about why was it so easy for her to do that and just keep moving and like whatever. Um, So, yeah, for me, when when we talk about Best Picture, I just feel like if if we're really, you know, I know there's always an argument of like, oh, do the Oscars actually matter and blah, blah, blah. But like, I really do think that it's important to try to dissect art and media in different ways. And I think this movie is such a good movie for that. And I think it's really saying a lot. It's so impressive. I'm sure there are people who do not like the movie. I have not heard (laughs) those people, but I'm, I'm sure someone's like, eh, it's not my type of movie, but I'm assuming they can appreciate what the movie is doing right. at least. And I just like out of all the nominees, I just feel like it's it to me. It is the best picture. I think it will definitely win like international film. Oh yeah. For like sure. best international. But like, I really like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be greedy, but I really think it deserves <laughs> like everything that it's nominated for. And I think it should have been nominated for more. And I just, yeah. So for me, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's definitely best picture worthy. And I guess we'll see uh, soon when it actually happens if they win. Yeah. I, I For me with best picture, like I always evaluate that, like in which nominate, nominee I'm rooting for based on a variety of factors. But ultimately, it feels like this is the the movie industry. This is Hollywood saying this movie represents the best of what we had this year, you know, thematically, whatever, things like that. And I feel like this reminds me a little bit of the 2017 Oscars, 
where it was La La Land and Moonlight. And like, okay, La La Land is a really, is a great movie. It's, it's, you know, it's a uh, very well made, very well acted, whatever. Um, but it's a, it's a throwback film. It's like this making a Hollywood musical with a modern context, but it's really well done. So it's your more, yeah. your more traditional best picture winner. You know, it's like, we love Hollywood. We love the movie. Look at the magic of the movies, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then yeah, Moonlight yeah. is like, but we're going to tell, Moonlight's telling a story that hasn't really been told ever in a way that it's never really been told. From a filmmaker, you know, how many movies have you seen where there's three actors in different periods playing the same character and it's, you know, an African-American gay man coming yeah. to terms with his his identity, his sexuality, his relationship with his mother and all this other stuff. And I feel like, you know, those two movies are both excellent in you know, completely different ways. But yeah. when that happened and La La Land supposedly, air quotes, won, I was like, mm -hmm. okay, La La Land, that's good. I love I like, That was a great movie. I like it. But then when Moonlight yeah. won instead, I was much happier because it, that's the bolder, that's the Academy taking a stand on uh, on diversity, on, you know, representation, what kind of stories we want to see told, the kinds of, of uh, you know, visionary filmmakers that we want out there, like pushing things forward, like progress in cinema and in culture. And I think yeah. it, this kind of, this year feels very similar in a way. Like you can go to, as I said, the two front runners in my mind are 1917, Sam Mendes, past Oscar winner, war movie. It's a dependable genre. It's done really well. It's made really well, acted, all that other stuff. But it's a war movie and it's telling a very basic story. You know, it's these two men mm -hmm. and they want to get from point A to point B. And, in, in, you know, amidst the the war is hell of, of the, you know, the First World War. We get it. You know, this movie tells a story we've never seen in a way we've never seen it from a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, again, it feels very similar to me. So both movies, like I won't be disappointed if either if either of those wins, because I do like both of those movies, but I will be extra happy if Parasite gets that because of the statement mm. that it makes, because of of uh, because it pushes the the needle forward in the industry, an industry that more than ever now, where you know people are talking about, well, where was Greta Gerwig's Oscar nomination? Why are there nineteen you know white people nominated for acting uh, yeah. when Lupita Nyong'o and Aquafina are sitting right there? Um, well, you know, why does Scarlett Johansson have two nominations? And then at the uh, BAFTA, oh, yeah. Margot Robbie, yeah. I think, also had two nominations. Like, it's like, why are we, are we not past that yet? I mean, you know, I feel like Parasite sends a message of progress and steps forward. And 1917 would just be like, oh, we like that. It's the safe choice, you know, basically. And so that's why, I mean, even, and this happened with The Farewell, having this conversation, like, I feel like I appreciate Parasite more because we're delving into it more. And I'm like, damn, there's more to talk about with this. I feel like we've gone <laughs> way over the time we were supposed to. And we started late. And I'm still like, <laughs> I have no more notes, but I still like feel like there's other things we're not talking about that as soon as we get off this off this call, I'm going to... I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, I forgot I to mention, mention this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very envious of anybody who's like in a film studies class right now right. who gets to like dissect this movie. Because I'm sure that's going to be like so much fun to go into like so many techniques used in constructing the movie, let alone the themes and actual content of the film, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to speak on what you're saying, I completely agree with you. I think there is something there is value in awarding something that is unique, but also obviously extremely well crafted mm -hmm. and 
connected with people. Right. And so something like 1917, I think, you know, I, I know I've heard some people complain like, oh, it's a video game movie, like whatever. Um, I And I can hear that criticism, but I, I still think that it was effective. I think it was something interesting, but it is kind of like, I, I take away the kind of one shot element, you know, um, it is a movie that we kind of have seen before. It's not like the most unique topic, you right. know, like, we, like it, it's still obviously a good movie, but something like Parasite, it's just the fact that it has so many layers and it all works and it's just constructed and so creative. It just feels like I can't think as much as like we're comparing it to like us or, you know, like ready or not. This movie is obviously very different in mm-hmm. how much detail it goes into, right? And so it's just it just feels like such a unique movie that it would be a shame if it wasn't recognized, in my opinion. I think you are way more reasonable being happy if 1917 wins. I will well, still only be because upset and mad. I, I know how the Academy can let me down. So I'm like, well, yes. I'm, I'm like set at a certain level of disappointment. So if 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 1917 gets yeah. it and Joker doesn't, I'll be happy. Let's put it that way. Like pretty much if any yeah. movie other than Joker gets it, I'll be better. I'll be I'll be happier. Um, but it's yeah. To speak of like the moonlight moment, I was like, I always do like little Oscar parties and yeah. have like food and snacks. And so we're watching and they say La La Land. I was like, all right, okay, let's wrap it up. Let's get the food off the table. You know, I was already like, yeah, that was to be expected, blah, blah, blah. And then when all the stuff started to happen and it was like, oh no, it's moonlight. I was like, oh, I was shocked. I felt like chills because I was like, no, I was not expecting them to pick that. Even though I do agree, I think moonlight deserves the best picture. (laughs) So like, I just was not expecting that. And so, um, it, it's one of those things where uh, we'll see what happens, but I, I am, I, maybe because I've invested more time cause I've talked about this movie now for so long mm-hmm. that I'm kind of like, yeah, I really need parasite to win everything. <laughs> like I just like, yeah. And I, I think for a few years there, they were, they were picking kind of interesting choices. And I think moonlight was really the, the, the pinnacle of that. So it's like, to me, something like 1917 is, is a good movie. La La Land is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Moonlight and Parasite feel like they're trying to change the way movies are made. They're trying to change cinema. And, yeah. and like I said, take it to that the next next level. Like another another stage of like more sophisticated storytelling. And I think, you know, it would be really encouraging if the Academy recognizes that as opposed to I don't know how you felt about it, but how last year it being like, Green Book, sure. And I was like, yeah, I, I was kind of like, what is happening? It felt like a step backwards in my it, opinion. Yeah, exactly. But, like, even if uh, you, you, regardless of how you feel about the the movies, I mean, we had 12 Years a Slave, uh, Birdman, Spotlight, mm-hmm. Moonlight, Shape of Water, all interesting in varying ways. Most of those are in some kind of important movie. Like, they have something to say. Whether it works for you or not is, is kind of beside the point. Green Book is... Like, fine. It's fine at best, basically. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Problematic and downright offensive and horrific at worst. And it's that's not the range of storytelling we should be nominating for Best Picture, let alone giving it awards, including, I think, it won screenplay for some reason. And I just like, really? How did that happen? When the favorite and movies that are much more interesting are out there, I don't... 
So I'm kind of worried that that's going to happen again. I guess that's why I'm like, yeah, oh, 1917 I, at least is a happy middle ground. Yeah, you're you're probably correct. I I am kind of like I'm really hopeful because I do feel like it. it I mean, we could go on a whole other tangent about like sure. I today went on like, oh, what are my most anticipated movies? Because that's what we're going to release uh, in our next episode. And I was kind of like, oh, this year, I'm I'm excited for some movies, but like. I remember a time when I was excited for so many movies. It felt like, oh my gosh, I have, it's going to be crazy every month. There's so many things. How am I physically going to see all these movies? It's going to be impossible. And obviously it's still January. Who knows what will surprise us? We don't know what's coming out yet. Mm. But last year I kind of felt like, oh, I'll never say, oh, it's a bad year for movies. But as far as like seeing movies that impacted me, that that would make me feel like I'm going to think about this movie longer than a day mm-hmm. or it, it, it wasn't that many. And Parasite is a movie that I can't imagine not thinking about in the future, you know, yeah. but something like Green Book, I imagine if you liked it, that's great, but I'm sure you don't think about it. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure you're like, yeah, that was a movie. That's fine. Right. You know, <laughs> like I can't like, so I just, I, I think there is something to say about awarding something that is trying something new and succeeding. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't want to just give it for because then cats would be nominated, right? <laughs> I was like about they, to say. they, they, yeah, about they tried to say. something. Like they tried digital fur. Good job, best picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think Parasite tried something and they succeeded in the in the type of storytelling that they wanted to tell. And I, I yeah, I I really hope that this is the beginning of something new in filmmaking that makes people more daring and want to try something. Somebody who is like, you can't make someone believed that someone else has tuberculosis and do it in a smooth action scene. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Parasite does it. And it's like, oh, maybe I could try something different like that. Right. Like it's, it's insanely impressive. And, uh, if you're not even thinking, exactly. Yeah. If you're not even just thinking about the substance of the movie, just the way it's constructed is so impressive. But yeah, I hope it inspires people to try to be more creative and tell different types of stories. And honestly, I watching this movie, you know, I think Bong Joon-ho has had a couple of things like I forget his exact quote when he's like, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of subtitles mm-hmm. like you can open your world. And it's right. like that's something I hope a lot of people take to heart. Like, oh, wow, I guess there's like a whole thing, because to think about it, if you're if you don't live in America or like speak English, a lot of the Hollywood movies you're watching are with subtitles. That's how, you know, you see this media and, and that doesn't stop people. So that shouldn't stop us from absorbing that type of media. Right. But yeah, anyway, I just hope that it inspires people to try different things because I'm really worried about like types of movies we're getting lately. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This oh, year, I'm you're just not excited like, about the Bambi remake that Disney's doing? <laughs> Apparently. Uh, yeah, you know, that, which I'm shocked they're even thinking about doing that after Lion King. But then again, yeah. I'm not because Lion King did financially so well uh-huh. that I guess, I guess it would be dumb for them not to do it. Right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and that is depressing. <laughs> sort of. What a downer. We're having like talk excitedly about Parasite for an hour and a half. And now we're like, Movies. We're all doomed anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, is there anything about Parasite that we haven't talked about uh, that we oh. want to mention, I guess, without going into a whole other hour of analysis? Sure. I mean, I can't really think of anything else. I'm sure there's tons of things that will be like, man, I should have mentioned this. Right. But 
Um, you know, I just think for me, it's a movie that like, it, it made me really excited to do what I'm doing right now, which is just discussing movies. Like this is just like this experience talking to you has just been really fun. And I can't wait for more people to see Parasite so I could talk to them. You know, like it, <laughs> yeah. it has been a movie that I'm like, I don't want to spoil it for you. So can you please watch it so right. we can talk about it? You know, so like I, I don't I, I'm sure there's so much else to say. But like I, I just really appreciate even having this conversation about this type of movie because it was it was just so exciting to see and and to dissect. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I look forward to seeing what happens on Oscar night and hoping that, uh, that, that we are able to unite our powers and will this into, uh, into happening and on, uh, when it comes to best picture. So we'll definitely watch that. And, uh, Shade Gilbert, can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Yes. Uh, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at offscreen babble. And you can also go to our website, offscreenbabble.com. Our podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Shade, thank you so much for taking the time and being patient with my lateness and going over, no, thank over, you. over uh, <laughs> way over our allotted time to talk yeah, about no this. Worries. I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. I promise I am way more together most of the time, but it's hard <laughs> to like keep it together with this movie because I really think you could probably talk about this movie for like hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll definitely uh, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for something else to talk about. You know, you're you're honestly you're one of my one of my favorite guests to talk to on the show, and I think we just oh, have we just have such great conversations <laughs> going back and forth and diving into these really interesting movies. Uh, and this was this was you know I think one of the great ones from 2019 to talk about and kind of dissect and dig into and tear apart all the little details. So. Uh, thank you so much for for taking the time, and we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have to find something else to uh, to give the parasite treatment to, I guess. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com/guest, or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com/crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the